hello and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known, popular, and, dare I say it, nationally renowned Real Play D&D show, Roll for Damage. We've got an exciting, another exciting episode today, talking all about the exciting episode that happened Friday. Our heroes fought a monster, discovered they might be more cursed than previously thought, and got thrown into jail on false charges. Yay, what a whirlwind. Me and my guests will be discussing that in obsessive nerdy detail today and also exploring the fine and delicate art of NPCs. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources to support the ongoing fight for racial justice in the United States. Thank you to Sunbird um, and Lady Meows who composed our music and designed our logo. Um, find their info on our Twitch page. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the damage? Welcome back. Joining me today is the wonderful Jake, who plays Oriana, the wonderful Tick, who plays Sinric, and guest of honor, our favorite DM, Serenity. Awesome. So guys, what's the damage? You got thrown in jail and Sinric almost got eaten by a monster. How's everyone feeling? Better than, you know, <laughs> last time I was on this. Yeah, last time was right after your character had on. Have you been on since then? Yeah, I think the no, last time no. was right after Sinric died. So you were newly undead, but not undead. Yeah, I, I spent more time on the floor. Real alive. You were newly realive. Realived. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jake, let's explore that sigh a little. There's a lot of emotion in there. Oh, gosh. Um. Yeah, that was rough for Oriana. She did not like that. She did not like having her magic drained from her. I would imagine. Yeah, so can you guys give me um, like a little bit of insight into what was going through your head, your character's heads as you were fighting this weird monsters? Like you did manage to vanquish it, honestly, without that much trouble, but it got rather complicated in the middle of that fight. From my perspective, it was almost easier. I mean, with, you know, a, I don't want to say boon, a reverse boon like that. I mean, you throw caution to the wind because, well, 
you know, it's going to suck it. one way or another. Exactly. Yeah. Might as well take advantage of the situation. Uh, I mean, for that specific fight, it was kind of a rough way to handle it because Oriana's really good damage spell is AOE, and that's the value in it. Mm -hmm. And this creature can just, as a reaction, just not take damage. Uh, essentially, with that, I think it was, what, half damage, and it had a pretty good save. So, yeah, it was taking like a quarter damage from her spells. Mm hmm. So basically, all she could really do was just healing word to keep our barbarian up. Um, and uh, each one cost an extra spell slot, so she burned through her spells pretty quickly. Um, she was pretty nervous. Understandably so, you know? I mean, if all of a sudden her magic is draining faster. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was... Very worrying for her. Very concerning. Very. Mm -hmm. I can't think of the exact word I'm looking for here. Yeah, like what was Oriana feeling like um, watching Cinemic fall again, which was a very emotional thing for her last time, and like knowing at the same time that she was hobbled as a spellcaster during this fight? Uh, well, we actually got to the point where I only had one spell slot left, mm -hmm. and according to the rules of the curse, if I only have one slot, I can't use it. <laughs> So I was essentially out of magic at the end of that fight. And if he went down again, I, Oriana probably would have lost it. Um, I mean, but you still had your druid who was just sitting in a bear form and hadn't been touched. Yeah. That had healing yeah. spells. And your cleric still had most of his but spell slots. At the read of the room, it was also a different style of encounter. I mean, this uh, whatever we fought, not the person, but the animal didn't strike me as something that was overtly intelligent no. um but you know that's not to say the person could have been a different story i mean mm -hmm. yeah i mean from my perspective in that kind of situation if i was you know the npc there it would have been better just to drop as many people as possible specifically people with healing capabilities as opposed to just trying to kill someone at but least that's kind of how I read the situation. They weren't, though, the the thing was, is they had dropped Dobby, and he was brought up. They had dropped, they kept dropping you. You were doing, like, the bear wasn't hitting. Yep. The Hexblade wasn't really doing much of anything. He was just standing there. The healer was just focused, like, was unable to do much other than every turn bring you back up. And yep. or Oriana was just basically trying to viciously mock them and they were like okay it doesn't matter so intelligence wise the npc the the guy uh like from their perspective was like i took down the this the guy that was trying to punch the thing i took I'm, and i'm constantly taking down this fighter or this large man who's doing the majority of the damage every single time now yeah. as a dm sure i could have outright killed you but i didn't think like I, I, that was not my like the intention wasn't that and also the beast isn't as smart as the person the person only had one shot they didn't have multi-attack for the gun so they shot you took you down and then the beast noticed you were down and was like okay well i'm not gonna i i'm gonna attack threats that are like more prevalent and then we yeah. go after that or if you were brought back up 
would you would hit it and then it, i think its turn went after you and it would be like i don't fucking want that again thank you bye um and so it would yep. go after you so so that was the the issue that the npc didn't really have much of a choice in the fact that you were the only thing that was really doing much and the beast was keeping the majority of your party from him and he was like okay i, I want my shield to stay alive and you you were really the one that was doing the majority of the damage so that was the yeah. mindset it makes sense i mean uh, from the perspective it wasn't like the um the bloodthirsty killy kitty cats that we fought no. earlier <laughs> Yeah, I think our, I think our real saving grace in that fight was the fact that it didn't have ranged capabilities. So <clears throat> it did actually. Cynic. It just it was no well, point. Well, with the yeah, the, yeah, we're but, grouped uh, up. Yeah, you were right. They were he he was right in front of it, so it it, it would have been at disadvantage if it used its ranged capabilities. Yeah, quite a bit of that fight really was the case of like Sinrig doing massive damage, then going down, then coming back, then doing massive damage, then going down. Yeah, he like, did a lot. <laughs> I'm just going to rename my character to Yo-Yo. You served your purpose. You know. Uh, you did barbarian things. That's right. Yep. You did barbarian things very well. And I got something to think about during the fight. So, there I mean, it's not all that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Serenity, what was that monster exactly? Um yeah, I didn't expect them to take this side quest the their first thing. So like what happened with Dobby um kind of like caused everything to spy like I actually thought they were gonna go and deal with the thing that he had originally heard, um, which was a totally different side quest that they kind of just, mm -hmm. just like ignored. Um, because Dobby lost all of his stuff, naturally. Uh and this kind of came full circle. Um and when they when they went into this, I was like, oh shit, okay, this is going to be when the items go off, like, and this is going to be an interesting fight because they're in a very confined space, um, and uh, and in a shop, and um, but yeah, that that monster was called uh, an Aeorian Absorber. It's actually from the new Explorer's Guide, uh, guide to Wildmount. Um, oh. Not homebrewed at all, but it was just it was just a neat creature uh, that I saw that I thought, yeah, this would be interesting to have in a fight. Um, that they kind of have to figure out how to deal with. And honestly, they, they did a good job because um, the majority, like after they realized the spells were being absorbed, it, it was mo mostly a physical fight um, and physicality was kind of what they needed against that thing. So um, it was just, they were very, very close. Like the, I think the, the drow was down to like nine HP or something like that. They were so close. Uh, before I got away. Yeah. I mean, if that one attack would have hit it. Yeah. Had, I, I think had Sinric have hit him, uh, well, one, he, he would have had zero speed, so he wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. Um, but two, uh, I think it might have just outright taken him out. And I would have saved a lot of trouble later on. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, would it have? I mean, we Maybe. did get some good information, actually, from being arrested. Well, you would have. I mean, the, 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 the answer is, is maybe, maybe not. Like, had you been able to talk your way out of it, because the guard, the, the guy wouldn't have been awake to call on them and to talk to them first and convince them and so you guys would have had the opportunity to say like hey this wasn't us we were attacked we were just defending ourselves and, and that's used, true used your persuasion from some of your or deception from some of your party members and then maybe had the opportunity to actually search the the place but itself on the flip side how would it look when there's an unconscious person plus a dead animal with a group of six people standing around it, come to find out there's a dead body still stashed in the room. 
you know you don't know I think yeah it i mean probably it probably worked been, out in our favor i'm saying it, it it's it, there's multiple it, things that could have happened you do have a bard on your team yeah like i said you have you have a, a warlock who's charisma based and a bard so like either of them probably have decent persuasion um deception so but yeah it's it's dependent but but um but yeah i oriana yeah. considered actually going out and trying to not not necessarily track him down but try and like get the guard's attention first but as soon as dobby screwed you know <laughs> just left it was like uh great yeah it i mean was one of those situations where you yeah. know it, it was just like well what do we do now one of us just ran away that like makes us look even more guilty <laughs> well he wasn't seen uh, i mean i yeah, guess you didn't, you didn't know, that wasn't would know seen, that, but, but i mean i think this is the same like that often happens when i have like a situation and i say guys the guards are coming and you guys get into like this debate between each other and you get into this analysis paralysis mode and you guys are like just talking back what do we do oh are, are we going to do anything can we get out the door do we go out the front blah blah, blah. and then i'm like by by the time i've like a minute's passed and i'm like okay the guards are now here and they're coming in and they're going to arrest you um so like there was the opportunity for you guys to like summon to walk out and be like hey hey hey, wait you know like and get to the guards first but no one no one did and so he he got there uh, before you and kind of was able to use his charms to or yeah or or he had a plan her plan was when the guards come she tries to tell her story but as soon as they came in and were like nope you're getting arrested she's like okay we need to wait for our moment to yeah. talk I think the issue is like Quinn started talking before Oriana did. Oh, he, and, yeah, he was. You know, Quinn yeah. doesn't like authority figures. Yeah, that doesn't help you. Just the hot headed. It's not you exactly know. authority it's figures. It's anyone who says no to him, pretty much. I would except say it's for, an except age for his sister. Thing, but it's an age, you know, really, I would say it would be an age thing because he plays a young character. But then mm -hmm. we have Dobby who just does stupid stuff, <laughs> and I mean, he's old. Dobby's a professional criminal, though, so... Is he? Is he, though? He? Is he? <laughs> is he? I mean, I mean he's, he did sleep in the street of an unknown city, like... I didn't say he was a good one, just... <laughs> I, mean, I, I, so, I don't so know. So he's the career criminal in the... He's been arrested a lot because he's not good at it? <laughs> I don't know if anyone's familiar with, like, uh, oh, what was the movie? The Good, the Bad, and the Weird. Um, I, I don't remember what nationality it was, but <laughs> Dobby is more like the weird from that movie. He's the criminal that is like, just happens to be at the right spot at the wrong time, but it works out for him. Sometimes. Has it worked out for him so far? <laughs> I mean, although, although if all of your items are cursed, it might be good that he lost his knives. But are they all? I mean, I don't we don't know. I mean, in that battle, yeah. you didn't see any of the other ones go off. And uh, mm -hmm. what's her? Um, Perry used hers. Baltaine so, also did. had his shield, and Quinn was wearing his armor. So, so well, in conclusion, who knows? You don't know. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't um, see it so, happen. So, <laughs> so um, Serena, you said that you had plans. For this to be a later encounter, were you worried that the characters weren't going to be like prepared for this fight? Was there information they needed going in that would have helped them? No, I just thought that maybe they would have already figured out the cursed items uh, oh. beforehand because they would have been in, uh, had to have done a couple of other things. And so I was just nervous um, that that might affect the encounter. Um, but I don't take into account like 
all the stuff that I give, which I'm like, oh, this isn't even a difficult encounter. I'm like, really, this should be like, this should be considered like a hard encounter. Um, and I was like, this isn't really all that hard. Like, they're fine. Um, so this is why, like, sometimes I have like swingier battles because I do give like a lot of like I allow I allowed um, Quinn to take the homebrew spell that I created called Illuminate, mm -hmm. um, which is actually quite po powerful with uh, paired with Sinric because he does radiant damage as part of his Zealot Barb feature. Um, but in this battle, it wasn't all that big a deal because the thing was it was uh, immune to radiant damage. So like, there mm -hmm. are certain things that I like have to take into account when I create an encounter. But yeah, it was more, um, it, it was just like I knew this beast was going to be tough and dependent on how they played it, it could go in different ways. And also they tend to, um, as you saw, like be reckless with kind of the spells. It's just like in the heat of the moment, it's like, oh, we're going to shatter against the same wall three times um and i'm like you're in the middle of a city yeah. in a magic shop that's not it's not magically barricaded um like the walls aren't aren't uh and that's like a 20 i think a, a 10 foot radius or 20, 15 foot radius something like that so i was like yeah. they were centering it on the very back wall and i was like okay well if you take the radius it's going out into the street 10 feet um and so I rolled, and they were very lucky that they didn't kill a pedestrian walking by. Um, but those are the things that you take in. And then, and then I realized at the end, I was like, oh, wait, you shattered that twice. Oh, yeah, that's falling apart. That's just going to blast out at this point. So, um, But it makes, it makes for interesting things, right? It doesn't just end in a battle where, like, oh, okay, it's all over. Everything's fine. You walk um, away. You're you good. walk away. You, know, you get all the items, and, like, everything's great um it, yeah. it, it makes you kind of think about tactically how you use your abilities like you can't just willy-nilly like call lightning in the middle of a city like that might be a little strange right like so like these kinds of things somebody might notice they might look at that and be like why the fuck is there a lightning strike yeah yeah why is this yeah. happening yeah. why a is the building being shattered out by like, like thunderous, uh... <laughs> a thunderous boom three times happening from the back of a magic shop you know like People might know. Yeah, speaking of not being able to walk away, um, so what were your characters like thinking as you, as the guards were approaching you, being like, stop, we're going to arrest you? Oh, crap, not again. <laughs> Oriana was thinking, I'm going to kill that little halfling. Um, mostly she was just trying to, like, keep a calm mind. She was freaking out a little bit from first the item now she's getting arrested um and she knew she was innocent in all of this so she knew she could talk her way out of it if she had to yeah but you'll but, know uh, how corrupt like the local cops are i didn't but she didn't I, but we she's... could take context clues from the situation though mm -hmm. given what we know of it um we know that lux Eterna is not badly viewed there um they're allowed to teleport in and out and i mean so it's we, we know that they're not exactly in like horrible people if that makes sense by association well we can assume but mm -hmm. so there there are assumptions that could be made just from the situation as a whole I mean, Oriana had a Oriana had a few points that she would bring up that don't match what the story the guy's telling, for example, mm -hmm. um, and things like that. Like she she knew enough was, you know, noticing things that like, well, 
oh, well, this is weird. And blah, 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 blah. So she was, she, she was just kind of coming up with like, okay, when they ask me what really happened, what do I tell them? Yeah. And she was and confident think, that she knew enough to get out, but yeah. Yeah. I think you also had the like advantage of, I think the NPC was more trying to get out than actually frame you guys to have you go to jail. So it was really just a quick get them. I need to run away more than it was anything else. Yeah. Well, that was my impression. Yeah. No, that, that's a yeah. correct impression because he uh, he knew that yeah. once the investigation started that there was going to be things found that he couldn't hide. So Yeah. So he did get away, but so did you kind of. Um, yeah. So Tick, I assume this is not the first time that Cindric's been thrown in jail because of Dobby? I, well, I imagine probably not the first time given yeah. the circumstance, um, but probably, eh, I don't know. I don't think it's been because of Dobby, but I mean... Dobby-related. Our past have crossed in the past, but for the most part, I mean, he really didn't meet Cynric until after all of the situation with the backstory occurred. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you kind of have where it pulled into being not quite the fisherman, but getting to that point. And that's kind of where, you know, Dobby comes into play. So it's... um. Yeah, I, I can't, I, I just don't have the information to know if it's because of Dobby. They've probably definitely seen the inside of a cell. Pro yeah. Probably, but... but like, mostly, I, I would say maybe not because of Dobby specifically, but definitely due to a job that Dobby has pulled Sinric on. So just a Dobby jail <laughs> situation, you know? I mean, it, it's definitely... Your feeling, I, I will say, to be accosted. Yeah, by city guards. Okay. Um, yeah, so Oriana has had um, perhaps some bad experiences, I think, with the whole concept of authority in her backstory. So what was foreign jail like like for her? Was it about what she expected? Um, she didn't really pay a lot of attention to it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um she was kind of already working on the bangle problem she was more yeah. concerned with that because like i said she was a little confident that we'll get out of this situation we're not going to be in here for you know too long um it's definitely not a, a situation she enjoyed being in um especially given her background and never really having problems with uh the authorities so to speak um, you know, she's had problems with authority, but uh, in, in a different way. Mm -hmm. The more philosophical type of way. Eh, the, more will, of, no? uh, the more of I've been fed a bunch of lies by the people I trusted kind of thing. Would you not call that a philosophical issue? Eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty philosophical. <laughs> cool. Um, so a question about some of the information that you guys got like from these surprisingly nice guards once they realized you guys weren't I don't know burglars or whatever magic burglars um so on the topic of butcher does does Sinric know anything about butcher like does he know anything about that whole situation just from being long-term acquaintances with Dobby I know he reacts differently to the name but mm -hmm. we haven't really discussed like why we're in the stage we're in it's more or less this is my problem that's his problem 
Um, like I say, I know enough just because my character is not a complete moron that he reacts differently to the situation. But Dobby so would have, have never. Dobby would have never opened up. Fair. He's, yeah. He's, he's very closed-lipped. Like even even though he trusts Sinric, that's just a part of his past that is only now being like really discovered Explored. by the and, yeah by the group. And likewise, I mean, I I wouldn't have told him anything that's gone on with my character as well. Exactly. You're the strong, silent type of friends. You don't share your feelings. Very don't share their pasts more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and feelings probably and feelings I, you know i think it's more so that to the point where we started the campaign Sinric was at a place where the past is behind him and trying to keep it there but so mm -hmm. much of the elements keep trying to bring it up again Can't so run away from your past no sadly very sadly <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, going back to the Bangle and Sinric's, um, what are they called? Wristies? Bracers of Defense. Bracers yep. and the Bracers. Um, so, like, what do your characters think now that you know these these um, items were cursed? Do you think this is like a plot against you? This is, do you think this was an accident? Actually, Ori no. Oriana is 100% convinced that the Bangle was supposed to be a test to mm. see if she just in fell back into the habit of immediately trusting uh, the, you know, one truth kind of thing. Um, this time being a, a test for Mayun of, hey, here's an item. You have a spell that will tell you what it does. Are you gonna, you know, just use it and trust me that it's, in, that it's you know, a good item and not cursed? Or are you gonna actually investigate? So she views this as a test, but she failed. Whether or not that's true, I have no idea. Um, but that's kind of how she feels, and she, even though she feels like she understands what the item 100% is, is still going to try and identify it and see if that tells her anything. Now it's not stuck on you anymore. Perhaps you have a little bit more breathing room to take a look at it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Listen, I from think. Sitting in the cell and having time to think, um, looking at it as, as a situation of maybe it's time to rely on his own strengths and weaknesses to kind of do what he needs to, as opposed to relying on, you know, more tools and things like that to provide an advantage, which is where the decision to remove the item came from. So both your characters are kind of looking at this as a lesson learned more than an actual attempt to hurt you. More um, or less, yeah. Yeah, that kind of gray, you know, you, you can have good and bad at the same token. You know, it's there. You know, it's something where it's um, it's a tool that can be used, but on the same token, it can also be you know harmful at the same time if used incorrectly. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Right. Has this um like changed your view of the the beings or people who gave you these items? No. No. Not at all. No. <laughs> You're like, like this is not what I expected. Uh, well, not even that. Just Oriana expects this was a test, and she failed. And she's going to try and find a way to make up for it. Poor Ori. Yeah. <laughs> she has to be nicer to herself, you know? She's nice. She's doing okay. She's, she's doing okay. She's, love she's nice to herself. She just needs to practice violin. That's it. A lot. I mean, if she really... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if, she, if she really had problems with her self-image, she probably would have stayed in River Inn. Uh, I guess. 
Okay, um, and I think that will bring us to our topic for today, which is NPCs. Yay, Ooh. everybody's favorite. Yay. Those friendly or less friendly folks you meet along your quest to either fight you or give you stuff, you know. Or are just there. Or are just there. There are really two functions of NPC, yeah. which is either to um, impede you, serve as a challenge, or to give you information, um, stuff, or like role-playing opportunities. So... I think you you've all been DMs before, I believe. Except At least Randy, tech, maybe. Nope. Tech has, yeah, you have. Tech, tech has. I think we talked about that last time you were on the show. So I want to ask you all, as um, DMs, like, what's like your top tips for designing an interesting and memorable NPC who's fun to play with? Um, this is going to seem kind of counterintuitive. Don't worry about making every NPC that one NPC that everybody's going to love. You, I've so many times I've like tried to define a an NPC that I think will be a major part of a storyline or an arc, and then players just walk right past them. So, yeah, um, we have something else to do. I instead I kind of focus on yeah. <laughs> I instead try and focus on like what's a quirk about this NPC that makes them unique and memorable like in my Wednesday campaign they just stumbled across an archaeologi archaeologist mm -hmm. dragonborn whose whole thing is just over explaining everything you ask him a question he'll give you a two hour long answer and it won't even be an answer to your question it'll, it'll just be something completely unrelated that he talks about um, and it's, yeah, I, I think you need to not necessarily worry about it. You'll find that one quirk that makes it, uh, an interesting NPC to play. And if you don't personally, as the DM, like the character, just, you know, maybe don't write them into the story anymore. Uh, I mean, for me, I know who my importance, like, I know who the main sort of arc NPCs are um, and then I build them off of the the world and the, the story that I'm trying to tell uh, but for like side quest stuff or like like other adventure kind of stuff um, I generally just like create someone who I think okay this person is going to be like help provide x set of information and then i just usually like go off a table of like what do i want their voice to be and mm -hmm. like how do i want their appearance to be and i like if i think that there's there should be something quirky about them i i do it um other times it's just they're just like normal looking uh and and just provide the information that's needed so take i i i mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I would have to say maybe, you know, being flexible and fluid on like personalities and interactions and maybe letting, you know, players have that interaction to help drive and, you know, kind of create personality with NPCs around. And, you know, granted, that's not really possible with like story bound NPC, but, you know, we, we in games interact with way more NPCs that are not in relation to the story than we do with the ones that are. So it, it's the ability to kind of shape those personalities of the people around us um, and make them into something that is more entertaining 
at least for a group of people when, you know, maybe one or two people might just be interacting. Otherwise, we're just sitting there, you know, for 30 minutes while someone visits a shop. <laughs> just visits a shop. Um, sort of building off of that, like, how should NPCs be used to enhance role play whether, rather than just have them be like exposition machines? Like, how can they like bring, like, how can they bring out the best in the PCs? I mean, I think that's knowing your, um, I think that's knowing your players and knowing kind of like the, the backstory of their character and that, that character's personality and putting them and either putting them up against someone who will like challenge them, butt heads with them or someone they'll like latch on to and like create a camaraderie with. Um, and that kind of a lot. And, and obviously that doesn't have to be every person that they interact with. They could just have a regular on the street encounter and say like, Hey, where's this thing? And you just say it, the person tells you over in that direction. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's like knowing who's going to have a, some kind of interesting interaction with, uh, the PC who's kind of asking the information or having the conversation, uh, rather than, um, rather than just creating something generic that doesn't sort of meld off of the party itself, I think. Mm -hmm. Y'all? I mean, uh, that summarizes it pretty well for me, you know? I, I think that even tied into, like, what I was saying earlier is just kind of, you know, that, that fluidity to read the situation, read the characters, and kind of make it engaging even if you know say a player isn't a player character isn't there you know the player can still receive some type of enjoyment and you know not just mm -hmm. be yeah along for the ride at that situation until their time comes yeah i also like yeah. the show the show not tell kind of thing like i like you said like i don't like to just exposit all the story that's happening i like to like give a description give the person and then give the players the opportunity to ask the questions and then if they don't mm -hmm. i'm not just going to like give them all of the information um or the npc won't like it's going to be like a normal interaction you're going to ask a question they'll tell you the thing they're not going to be like oh by the way i know you're on this quest and you have to go in this direction in this direction and go to this cave and then get this item mm -hmm. and like you have to ask the right things you have to interact with them like normal people and like trusting that the players will either ask what they need to or move on to someone else uh, and hope that they get mm -hmm. the information elsewhere. But, um, but yeah, I try not to make NPCs that are just going to be like, okay, I have to hit these five points and no matter what they ask me, those five points are going to come out of that NPC's mouth. It's final fantasy. And they're like, they have one line of dialogue and every time they ask, they just keep <laughs> getting that same line of dialogue. Like, no, they're, I try to treat them like they're a real person. You ask them questions, they'll answer them to the best of their mm -hmm. ability, but they're not going to go out of their way to tell you something, especially if they don't know you all that well. I, yeah. I think what ties into that a little bit is normalcy as far as like what the players expect to be normal versus what someone else would be normal and kind of go into the situation with a, and Oh, good Lord. I can't remember his name. The guy with the glove um, where, you know, it's Oh, Fulton. Yeah. Yeah. Where the situation were from us, you know, those items that we saw were not normal. Those were, you know, something that were extraordinary. But for someone like that character, they don't focus a lot on that stuff because for them, it's just another Tuesday afternoon. So I, I think, you know, kind of that same situation. And granted, that was a little bit of an extreme situation, but 
talking to a barkeep about what's going on, you know, for them, oh, serving drinks, working, you know, what exactly are you asking me? That's what's going on right now. Not, you know, oh, there's someone killing people in the city. <laughs> yeah, and interacting with like a D&D NPC is a lot different than interacting with, say, like a video game NPC where you can potentially just like cycle through the dialogue tree until you get all the information. But with an NPC, there's the potential they're going to get annoyed with you or get bored with you before you get everything you want to know. So it's really... It's, it's role play. Yeah, it's dynamic, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's dynamic. Um, yeah, so talk to me about improvising like minor NPCs who just show up. You, you don't necessarily have named like a shopkeeper, a person selling like fish on the corner, a bartender or random pedestrian that your characters um, asked for directions. Just like, do you have stock characters? Do you just make something up on the fly? I 100% make, I mean, I have, so the way that I've been doing things, uh, generally I have like the main shops that I think, like that generally if they're asked, uh, if they ask in a town, you know, where, sh where should I go to get X, um, where they would be directed. <clears throat> um, and those key shopkeepers, I won't make up like wide backstories for these people or anything like that unless mm -hmm. I, I expect them to be a part of like a side quest or a side adventure or part of the main story or something. Um, but I will give them a general description or race, um, kind of like an idea in my head of like their personality and their quirkiness and, and an accent uh, or mm -hmm. a, a quirky method of speech that they have or, or whatnot. Um, and then and then I go from there. But then there are things that happen like in the last session where they blow out the side of a wall and I have to make up a, a head investigator captain of the guard that uh, comes in, and that was just off the off the top of my head because mm -hmm. I, I was like, what what good name what game name do I give this person? Okay, here's what the name is going to be. Um, what are they like? Yeah, yeah. What are they like? Okay, he's they're got French, like, kind of, yeah, they're kind of like a French. Yeah, he's got like a kind of a Frenchish accent. Uh, like that was just like uh, this is what I'm going with. Um, but yeah, I think like generally like off the street, I'll. I, I often maybe sometimes we'll do an accent. Sometimes we'll lower my voice if it's if it's a, a male character. Uh, we'll sometimes, you know, if it's an older person, give them the granny like sound, you know, or whatever. Um, but I generally like I won't give them a name unless the the, the PCs really ask or really care. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they do, then I've got kind of got to think of it on the fly. Um, but but yeah just kind of like play it off of like they're just asking directions. So this person will just tell them down the street and to the left, you know. And for the most part, I mean, that really does suffice. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it goes along with the assumption that if you plan for an adventure to happen, um, the party's probably going to do the opposite. That's right. Yeah, I, I just go with pure improvise. If, if it's not something I've made in advance, like, oh, they went all the way across town to this bar that they've never really had interest in going to. Okay, well, it's by the docks. So let's give them a piratey type accent, I guess. Maybe. Um, yeah, but it's it's just kind of what feels right in the moment, you know. It's pure improv for me. Yeah. Have you guys ever like improvised an NPC? Then either the players or you had so much fun with them, you brought them back later. I mean, I think we're looking at like NPCs. Well, I know of one particular NPC that we're looking at, and I'm sure 
Jake is looking at many NPCs that he's familiar with from other games in this campaign alone. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I have not yet brought back, um, someone, uh, but, uh, we do have the running joke that I keep making these, like, interesting randalls, um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, the I army made, of randalls. <laughs> yeah, so I, one was a beholder, one was a beholder in, in another campaign I, I ran, mm -hmm. which was, like, friendly, uh, and, and, just wanted to attend his his mossy garden in the underdark um randall and uh and then the randall in this campaign was like the bartender of of ivor uh, who was like a surfer dude uh and offered drugs to uh dobby and and Baltame. so um yeah I, I that's that's kind of apparently my shtick i i don't know if that's randall's yeah randall's yeah there's a few NPC ideas that I've brought over from campaign to campaign, but never like the specific NPC. Um, and it's never like somebody that I just completely recycle of, oh yeah, let's just take these notes and put these here. Oh no, I don't mean recycling. I mean, you make up a random like uh, fishmonger and they're just so fun that you have them- Oh, in the same campaign. In the same campaign, yeah. Um, so like fishmonger one Not... becomes like Earl the fishmonger yeah, in yeah, campaign yeah. two. The, the ruler of Fishtown. Yeah. Yeah, he ends Not, up being yeah, like a pirate um, king or something. Yeah. Just cause. Not yet, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't really had an a improved NPC that stood out enough to be like, a, I should bring that character back up. Um. In fact, I think most of my improv characters, my players, never even ask their names. Mm -hmm. um, so it's hard to kind of have them come back. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of any purely improv character that's that's appeared more than once in a campaign for me. I mean, you need something that's truly magical to capture that kind of story. Um, I, I think, you know, Critical Role did manage to capture that with like, uh, what was it, the King of the Quad Roads or whatever. Um with oh, grog and the deck yeah. and anything um the, I, I think they managed to capture that type of moment with an npc that literally just like existed out of nowhere and has the potential to create you know a really awesome character that could be you know used later on but I, yeah i i don't think i've even encountered a situation where you know an npc had that little bit of a thread to throw out there that was memorable enough to say <laughs> okay let's move over into this one let's you know make it a running joke or something like that and you know but here's to hoping we get our own like awaka <laughs> yeah be fun as for me i have 100 percent promoted npcs who i just liked even doing the voices for i was like yeah i like this i'll bring them back okay i'll rewrite this shit <laughs> um <laughs> very impulsive as a dm anyway um so another question about running NPCs. So I think we touched on this earlier. I think um, Sereni mentioned it, or a few of you mentioned it. So PCs act fucking weird is the thing. It's like, it's a truth universally acknowledged. The PCs are 
compared to everyone else, like absolute weirdos. They'll just like stand in front of people having 10 minute conversations while completely ignoring them. They'll like forget things that you just said to them. They'll go around and be like, okay, well, I want to jump up on this counter and there's somebody sitting on the counter already or whatever. So how do we balance like the, ne the necessity of NPCs being like at least a little bit tolerant of this strangeness otherwise like pcs will just get arrested left and right with like making them realistic enough um i mean i i enjoy making uh npcs have similar quirks to the pcs like that's how i kind mm -hmm. of like balance the weirdness um but i also have i mean there have been times where uh like already the group has like started talking in the middle and like the npc will be like shut the fuck up what the, what the fuck are you talking about um so like i will have them act realistically as well like we were just having a conversation and now you're just what you're just talking to one another like there's other people in the room hello that's rude um yeah. yeah you know like i will have like depending on the npc i mean if they're if they're at a bar and they ask the barkeep and a question and then turn back to themselves and then have a conversation. The bar keeps not going to interrupt. He's going to be like, okay, I'll go off and order like serve drinks to someone else. Um, but you know, there have been times where if the group's just standing in the middle of the street, I'm like, yeah, the guards are staring at you strangely. Cause you're just like all standing there for like 20 minutes having this conversation. You're not exactly being stealthy about it, you know? Um, but I also don't like if the group isn't doing something like, illicit or legal like generally like on the street like you see weird like i've seen weird people in in my own city um that are just doing like either but like they're doing something weird with busking or they're like talking to themselves or you think they're talking to themselves but they have their, their earpieces in for like their their airpods or whatever and you can't see mm -hmm. them and they're like you're like what the fuck this person's being like like gesturing wildly and like yelling and you realize they're actually like on their phone but you can't see any of that stuff so i mean i think Generally, people in the street might look at them strange, but also might, you know, they wouldn't get like arrested. I think um, the the neat interactions come when they do something really out there. For instance, Quinn going up to Overseer Typhon and being like, you better fucking bring my friend back or I'm going to use my hammer and you're going to have to do it. And he's like, okay, boom, like right in his face. Like, so there's like a realism that you have to have between like, but I think a lot of it comes from playing off of what the PCs do. If they're generally having like a conversation or doing their own thing, you just walk away or you have the NPC like go off and like do something else. So I guess that kind of brings a, I guess maybe a follow-up question to what you're just saying is, um, What's, you know, an acceptable amount of banter for, you know, kind of players to have when they are talking and discuss discussing decisions to be had? I mean, I, I know I've said stuff about like, you know, being stuck at doors because we're too afraid to check for traps or, you know, open a door. But what would be, you know, like an acceptable time frame for people to discuss like as a group, a course of action? Are you asking me? I, yeah, just kind of like well, as a I mean, follow up. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's on you as a group, right? Like, if you're in the middle of a, a dungeon or somewhere where you're trying to sneak around and you're at a door and you know that there are guards patrolling the halls um, and you're standing there for 10 minutes having a discussion, at some point, as a DM, I'll come in and say, uh, you hear the footsteps getting closer. And that's your yeah. cue as to you're starting to take a little too long with your discussion. You better make it a 
a, a decision on what you want to do here. Um, but I generally don't try to like, I don't just try to like say, hey guys, we're on the clock. Like you gotta go. It, it's, I try to make it more realistic. Like, you know, if you're having a 30 minute exposition of like getting into each other's character backstories and stuff, and you're in the middle of a bar, I don't stop you from doing that. You have all the time yeah. in the world. Um, but yeah, like in a dungeon, obviously like I'll say something's coming or, Hey, uh, you know, you like, I'll give a heads up as to like, it's going a little bit too long. Like you guys might want to make a decision now. And then if you still, don't make your decision. I'll be like, okay, now guards are coming and they're going to see you and roll initiative, you know. That's it. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I see that happen quite a bit. I mean, just in terms of different games and, you know, even on stuff I watch, it's like that banter just goes back and forth and it's like, you, you know, you have that out of character banter versus the in character banter when it comes to interacting with these people. Yeah. Um, well, NPCs specifically, and even objects within the world. So I mean. Yeah, I, like I said, it's the it's the analysis paralysis sometimes that you get into where it's like, uh, what do we want to do? Do guys who who's going to make the decision? Like, we, do we go through this door? Who's going to check it? Like all these things. Um, and it's the same thing like that. Like I said, what happened? You know, last episode, um, last session. You know, I specifically said the guards are coming, um, and you guys basically had a minute worth of conversation going back and forth as to like, what are we doing? Who's going where? Like, are we just going to stand here? I guess we should just stand here and just wait yeah. for the guard to come. And I was like, okay okay, you hear the guy call out, guard, guard, come over here. And that was like your opportunity to be to make a choice of, are you following Dobby? Are you trying to hide in the crowd? Are you going to go out and call over the guard yourselves and try to like beat this guy to the punch? And you didn't. And so like that was the opportunity there. But I try to always give that opportunity to the, the group to, to decide like, is do you want to exposit now and have a conversation? And what's that going to cost you? Neat. Jake, what are your thoughts on NPC tolerance of PC oddness? Um, most of the oddness my players undergo is usually in seclusion. Mm -hmm. um, they'll do something really weird, like in the middle of a valley full of demons, and it's like, okay, I mean, there's no one really around to kind of judge you or go demons judge you um, but uh, I try and think like if I was actually here sitting you know two feet away from well six feet away from that person now um, how would I react and is that a, a viable response for the NPC you know if the PCs are talking about overthrowing a government. Hmm. Maybe the guy drinking next to them is going to go, you know, call the guards after he finishes paying off his tab or something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if the PCs are talking about some MacGuffin level, you know, gem or something that they're looking for. Maybe the rogue sitting in the back of the bar kind of gets a little ear perked up at that or something. Um, but for the most part, a lot of, a lot of my personal experience with it is that players do that weird player character kind of stuff, either out in the middle of the wilderness or 
in their own keep sometimes, which mm -hmm. they're surrounded by their, <laughs> you know, their paid staff who are not going to question them. Yeah, I think the number one thing for me for when I've DM'd is that like PCs will be, or at least in my games, um, PCs have been very rude to like mm -hmm. NPCs who could absolutely like one shot kill them. So I'll just have those NPCs usually be a little bit more patient than is perhaps in character for them. Like when they're when they're talking to lower level PCs who are not ready for that fight yet. But that's usually as far as I will stretch things in that direction. I don't like. Let's, I, let's I, point at that yeah, gun Serenity's at Dobby. Like, Serenity's like you just to yourself. Yeah, I <laughs> like, pointed that gun at Dobby. She was ready. That to was straight though. She didn't pull the trigger. She that was restraint. But yeah. she's not a cold-blooded killer. She was just annoying. Uh, I actually did just remember just now an instance kind of like that where mm -hmm. the barbarian found out uh, a potential path to finding his missing daughter right. and decided he's just gonna run straight through the city <laughs> just full on you know seven foot tall whatever tall goliath man he is like i'm coming honey run, just like pissed off grouchy just like i'm gonna beat somebody to death with a stick if I have to, kind of attitude. And I had an, uh, an NPC who actually trains one of the other players. Mm -hmm. um, and he just sees him coming up. And he's got, like, probably a good 10 levels on, on this PC. And he's just doing the, like, nope, stop. Stop. Bad. <laughs> Bad. Don't do that. And then, and then eventually just straight up paralyzed him. With a with a stunning strike, I think is what I did because mm -hmm. he was a high. Oh, level you did bump. the uh, open hand. Uh, oh yeah, that that thing that yeah. caused him to go to zero HP like right away. Yeah, yeah, I did the open hand five point strike. Yes, thing, yeah, key strike. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, well, those interactions aren't necessarily bad because I mean, no, not bad, but they they act a humble in certain situations. They did. He calmed and, down after that. Yeah. It, and even drive, you know, points home that, you know, yeah, you, you, no one is really invincible in, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. So, I mean, even if you're, you know, a character that's good at, say, absorbing damage or, you know, proficient in, like, constitution, you can still get taken down by your strength by someone else. I mean, there's always a bigger fish. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, on the subject of something else that you can do with NPCs because it's not always in exposition or fighting or whatever. Um, do you guys usually incorporate like NPC romance into your games? Is that just a once in the blue thing, blue moon type of thing, or is that a regular part? Do you mean NPCs romancing PCs mm -hmm. or NPCs, yeah, PCs with M other NPCs? Well, no, who cares what the NPCs are doing on their own PCs? Uh, yeah, I mean, I will have uh, NPCs that have interest in um, in certain PCs. It's up to the PC on whether they want to, it's up to the player and their character on whether they want to um, go for it and see where that leads. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, tr I treat, especially NPCs that have um, important story beats or are like a part of, uh, that, that I know are going to like recur or come back or, or or just I can tell that the characters like enjoy um, and want to integrate into uh, the story. Um, I will generally have them like make friends one. And then if I think there is a potential, um, I will offer it up. I mean, I never force it, but, but I do offer it. Mm 
a lot of my players tend to spend too much time romancing each other for me to really do that. Um, <coughs> Chad and Laura. <coughs> um, Aw, married people. God. <laughs> but um, I... If the, if the NPC is somebody very close to or relevant to the story, mm-hmm. um, I try to have their own story arc within the campaign. And if the party decides, you know, oh, well, you know, we're going to ignore that, then, okay, maybe the PC doesn't get too invested in the characters. Um, but there are a few NPCs I can think of who have aggressively flirted. I wouldn't say romance, uh, uh-huh. aggressively flirted with player characters. Um, in one case, Serenity certainly tried to romance one of my NPCs. Ew. <laughs> Ew. I mean, I've already, Ew. my character in my Sunday game already had sex with a hot drow chick, so like. I mean, that didn't I'm, take long. I know, it was great. <laughs> was like a it was like I got a really high persuasion check which I don't have very good persuasion but but I am I'm am so open to, I'm so open to that stuff like I think it's fun if I'm playing that mm-hmm. type of character and to have a DM that's like open to that is is great cuz not always are you going to find that with another player character um or even find that anywhere like you know like or some people don't aren't in, like some people play D&D purely for the action adventure combat killing using awesome powers they don't care about any goblins yeah they don't care about any any of that and then others are super invested in their story and their backstory and then others are like i want my character to have relationships and to get invested in those relationships and to have those options even if another pc is not into that and is like look i'm that's not what i'm here for to give them the option in other characters that they might be invested in i think is super cool and 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 it allows them to have like a fun time at the table because everyone takes from D something different mm-hmm. i think you kind of touched on the what i think would be the most important part is just understanding the player and the dm and knowing you know when something like that is acceptable even within like the scope of the character because if the player isn't comfortable with those situations but the character it would be fitting you know it's still not a good idea to press something like that or even you know kind of dangle that carrot on a stick for that type of interaction if you know the player isn't going to be receptive to something like that um, before even the choice is made to actively engage or disengage the situation yeah it does seem like a obviously like during the during the initial hey how do you guys want to play it's pretty easy i think to slip in romance yeah no maybe yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i i feel it's always a possibility it does have you know good drive and good pull on story and even character motivation i mean really funny (laughs) that too yeah speaking of that so um in your opinion is every npc theoretically romanceable or is that just your inner bard talking I would say any NPC could theoretically. I mean, yeah. you could just you could go to the tavern, find the first drunk you see, and try and romance them if you want. Okay. Um, whether it works or not. Is... Yeah, whether whether it works or not, whether it's successful, whether it's an, an NPC who you even never see again. I you know that kind of all depends on the situation. Um, yeah. But or yeah. You I, 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 the only thing I would say is an NPC who's not open to it. 
like when Serenity <laughs> tried to romance my NPC. And you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thanks. Wait, which one was that? Jiraiya? Jiraiya, yeah. Uh, I wasn't, though. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. Allura, I'll, I'll give you word but I can't it. with Allura. She's already got Kima, fucking bitch. <laughs> I mean, to do some both, why not? You know? Yeah, yeah, I know threesome. Get in that sandwich. They're not. They're not married yet. It's. I guess that's kind of why I like playing in the Sunday game because um, playing that younger character and not having that um, notion of those type of relationships mm-hmm. is something that's um, yeah more. Yeah, I find that more fun. It allows you to focus and create awkward situations. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah. imagine if I would have, you know, seen you leaving the room and decided to follow you. <laughs> would have been awkward. You know, even in the first, what was it, the first couple of episodes where I walked in on the two people in the, the bedroom at the <laughs> bar. Yeah, the bard was playing. And it's just like, oh, this isn't my room. Oh, what are they doing? Bye. Uh, kind of awkward situations. Um, uh, I had something else I wanted to do. Oh, we don't ahead. have time. You can ask. Uh, no, we don't have time now. So I'm just oh. going to do one last question and a game, but we don't have time. Oh, it was a game. Um, okay. It was oh. a game. That'll take like 15 minutes. I don't want right. to go that much over. So quick poll. What's the sexiest NPC in the current campaign? In the current campaign? In, in Friday's campaign. Oh. In character or out of most, character? Most, whichever, most fuckable. Oh. Is it Randall? <laughs> I mean, he, is, he is sexy. I mean, as far as description of character, um, oh, I can't even remember her name. The lead chick that worked at the brothel that Dobby and Baltine paid 100 gold for nothing. <laughs> Literally oh. nothing, not even information. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. I have it somewhere, but I can't remember. Wait, it was like Madame Yala? Yeah, Madame Yala. Yeah. I, Madame Yala. I would go that route or, um, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. You know you want to say Randall. Uh, no. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. Quinn's if... sister. Quinn's sister. She is hot. Mm-hmm. If thinking from Oriana's standpoint, probably Lex. Ew. Probably Lex, honestly. She she's got that 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 bad boy or bad girl quality to her mm-hmm. that Oriana's not really ever been exposed to. Looking forward to seeing them interact more. Stuff <laughs> 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 uh, for the future. Sorry, do you do you have a vote or are they all your babies? I I can't. I mean, there are so many mm-hmm. of them. Uh, I love like Fulton is. I love him. That's great. Um, there are a, a couple that haven't been come like really been shown yet. But I mean, like, like Aaron is super hot. She's uh, uh, Kane is like gorgeous. At the mm-hmm. the emperor is friggin' really good looking. So I don't know. I'd I'd have sex with them all, but I made them. So <laughs> <It'd> be kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah, okay, that's all our time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, is that like kind of autoerotic in a weird way? Sure. Okay, that's all the time we have tonight. Thank you guys for watching. Um, tune in next week um, for Friday's game and then 
no, tune in the end of this week. Yeah, tune in the end of this week for Friday's game. Then tune in next week. What is time? Tune in next week for Tuesday. Where we'll talk about Friday's game and also a new nerdy topic. Thank you to everyone. We love you. Good night. Thank you. Bye.